0: The bottom line on News Radio 610 K.O.N.A. From the Tri-Cities to Olivia to D.C., we break down down. the stories of the day and the people making the news. And that's the bottom line. Time to get the bottom line presented by Summit Funding in Kennewick and Prosser with your hosts, Rob Francis and Ed Dawson.
1: Hour number two, the bottom line here on News Radio 610 K.O.N.A. 547-1610, 509-547-1610. 547-1610, 509-547-1610. You can also email us by going to the website, 610kona.com. Go to the bottom line page and fill out the form, sending us uh, your question or your comment. Hour number two on deck, and uh, President Trump announcing uh, a number of uh, things in his afternoon news conference. Um uh, saying that he believes that there are about 20 states that are in good enough shape uh, that could reopen by May 1st in a couple weeks. Uh, But 20, I mean, that's less than half, right? The rest of them, he is calling on governors to... Have a plan in place. He he wants to know what the plan is for each of the remaining states uh, to kind of re-enter back into the real world, um, coming out of the stay-home order or whatever the different states call it. So he's calling on the governors to to share their Plans. Well, earlier today, a couple of West Coast governors uh, beat him to the punch. Uh, Gavin Newsom of California, uh, as well as uh, Kate Brown of Oregon, both spoke to their states and said it kind of laid things out of the things that they are looking at specifically. Before they're going to, you know, open their states back up. And they were basically the same thing. Uh, Gavin Newsom had a couple of different, a uh, couple of extra points that Kate Brown didn't. But it, it's things that, it's basically things that we've been talking about for how long now. Flattening the curve. Making sure you have enough personal uh, protective equipment on hand. Um, getting more access to testing. Uh, you know, all these different things. There's, but there's, there's some, there's some different things being said nationally by certain people, whether it's the now famous Dr. Fauci, uh, whether it's uh, people at the CDC or, or any of the various organizations, you get everything from, you know we could we could as a country come out of this in the next few months or much longer one thing that was mentioned and i found interesting was that there are agencies out there that are saying well we're not going to be out of the woods on this until we have a vaccine okay well i know that a number of entities are working on a vaccine and some are showing promise. Um, there's also a number of treatment options that are being tested out there. You know, you keep hearing about the hydroxychloroquine uh, as being something that is is being looked at. You know, do we need a treatment? Do we need a vaccine? What's interesting is this is the again this is the 2019 version of the covid virus and it's never been this bad before so we've never really needed a vaccine against it before who's to say that we will need a vaccine from this in the or, or to to combat this in the future we don't know could next years or technically this years covid virus when it comes around again in the fall or winter, could it be worse than what we're seeing now? Could it be not as bad? So, what way to go? Should we be looking at vaccines? Should we be looking at treatments? Um, you know, a proactive or a reactive stance? A lot of people have issues with vaccines in general. And they don't want to they don't want to inject themselves with purposely with a virus to purposely make themselves sick. And there are others that don't trust the process and trust the government or whatever agency that's doing it, uh, that's you know, their their goals are, are not nefarious. They're they're not sure about that. But we you know we as a society, many of us get flu shots many you know we certainly vaccinate our children uh, in many states there there's protocols in place that you have to have certain vaccines or your child has to be vaccinated against uh, certain things before they can start school. and so is just would it be viewed as just one more vaccine is it is it a good thing? should we be should we be focusing on a vaccine or should we be focusing on Treatment 547 1610 509 547 1610. Either way, either way, uh, you're go- it's going to take some time, and you're also kind of hitting a moving target, too. Whether you're talking about a vaccine or a treatment, whatever successes that we're seeing on the vaccine front or the treatment front right now. It's to battle this virus in front of us, this version. Viruses mutate. Viruses will go into hiding for a long time and reemerge, uh, usually stronger than before. The things that are being tested and clinical uh, trialed and and things like that are to to fa- or to battle this particular. Inundation, you know, in incarnation of the COVID 19 or of the COVID virus rather, the 2019 version. Let's go to the phones. You're up on the bottom line. Who's this? Where are you calling from today? Hi, yes. Good afternoon. This is Carlos Morgan. Hi, Carlos. What's up? Well, you know, I don't know if you guys remember, but early on
0: before all the shutdowns started, I called in and, and said that the vaccine was the
1: reason that people were panicking and panicked. And I, I still firmly believe that was the case. I think without a vaccine, we're We're not looking good i think it's very important we get a vaccine more so than than a a treatment well either anything anything would be positive in, in this case okay i mean any good any good sign would be that we could turn this thing around would be a really good sign um i just see this thing going around in circles and circles like i said this will be back in the fall it'll be back next spring it'll be back until we get it play under control with the vaccine all right, appreciate the call, Carlos. Thank you very much. 547-1610. 509-547-1610. And it really, it, and I agree with Carlos. Whatever, whatever we can do immediately, it should be the first priority. You know, what however we can, you know, kind of stem the tide right now should be the first priority. But very close second should be moving forward, the next steps after. And you know whether whether you're in the vaccine camp or if you're in the uh, the treatment camp, either one, the 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 end goal is to combat the virus. However, you want to look at it. Look, vaccines are not foolproof. Flu shots are not foolproof because we always are. T- you know, again, for those not in the know when australia is going through their flu season we take that information and create a vaccine that is similar to what they were going through and they do that when we are in an effort to to combat the current strain of the flu virus. So we kind of play this game with the flu every year and try to stay, try to stay ahead of it. Usually we're playing catch up, but we try to, we try to stay ahead of it. It could be a case where the COVID virus is around for a long time and we could be playing this catch up game on the vaccines. And vaccines are not foolproof. They help a lot. But when a when a virus is mutating and changing, it, you know, from one year to the next, the vaccine may not be as effective. And we've seen that with the flu virus. We have seen people who have gotten the flu shot who get the flu. Now, a lot of people like to compare the, the flu to the coronavirus. It's... It's got similarities, but there's also major differences too. Usually with the flu, you don't have respiratory issues, like really bad breathing problems. Uh, You might have really bad congestion in your lungs or fluid in your lungs because of the flu, but the breathing problem is what right now seems to set the two apart. So is it better, as we go to commercial break, the question is, is it better to have a vaccine on a mutating virus where we would have to treat it like the flu in a in a cycle pattern or is it better to have treatment options whether it's hydroxychloroquine or any other things that are out there that that people are looking at 5471610509547 1610. This is the bottom line. News Radio 610-K O N A.
0: The bottom line. The only place that cares what you think. Call in now. 509-547-1610. Presented by Summit Funding in Kennewick and Prosser.
2: Welcome back to the Bottom Line News Radio, 610-KONA. The phone number is 547-1610 if you want to get involved. Thanks to Jason Hogan, American Family Insurance, for being a part of the program. And if you are an American Family Insurance customer, if you are a client of theirs, uh, they have received approval from the Washington State Insurance Commissioner to offer reimbursements to those with auto policies with American Family Insurance. If you're interested in finding out if you qualify and how much, Uh, You could qualify for of a reimbursement. Visit Jason's website, jasonhoag.com, the only American Star-certified rated insurance agent for American Family Insurance in the Tri-Cities. Check out Jason's website and find out if you are an American Family Insurance customer, uh, what reimbursement you could receive under your auto insurance, and you can take a look at the website as well and see if there are things there that appeal to you, and maybe American Family Insurance could be your new insurance provider. You can also reach us via email, 610K1A.com, the bottom line page, your name where you're listening, what you'd like to say. And we are on Twitter as well, bottom line six ten. Governor has just announced he's gonna have a press conference tomorrow at three o'clock. Yep. And that's it. It's going to be on COVID nineteen. But that's all we got right now on COVID nineteen. So my guess would be he's going to um he's going to coattail. Kate Brown and Gavin Newsom.
1: Probably.
2: Because he was all proud of the compact that the three states had. And then <laughs> they came out and said, we're going to do this. And then we're
1: going to do this. And he's like,
2: wait, 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 you forgot about me. Wait a minute. Oh, I'm over here. Hey.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Most likely that's, that's what's going to be the deal. Yeah. So. Um, but you never know. Well, you know. You don't.
2: It wouldn't be the first time he surprised us.
1: <laughs> Not necessarily in a good way. 509-547-1610. And I think you're on to something. Am I? I think you are. Maybe it. Look, the question is, and like to hear you uh, your thoughts. Should we be? Should we be focusing our efforts on a vaccine for COVID-19 or should we be focusing our efforts on a treatment for the COVID virus? Um, there's there's a lot of work being done. It doesn't seem to be very well coordinated. You got pockets over. I mean, UW's doing something. They've got a clinical trial and there's, an, you know, the Mayo Clinic. And there's a lot of places on the East Coast that are doing uh, different things, California. They're trying these, you know, experimental drugs. There's been some success there. Uh, you know, there's there's a whole bunch of other things out there. You know, we we had the story of the state representative. Was it from Michigan? Um, I, I, I want to say Michigan or Ohio, one of the upper Midwest. Um, who who said that uh, she she tried the hydroxychloroquine and said that it uh, it, it cured It. It, well, you know, yeah. or, or at least it it cleared up the symptoms and and she recovered. So, do we want to play the vaccine game, where where we are in constant motion, like we are with the flu, and and you have people like Bill Gates who are leading the charge, um, in in that front for better or for worse. I tend to go with the latter. Or you want to try to find something that when people start showing the signs of covid, they are given a treatment or a series of treatments uh, to help them get through it. If they're in a high risk category, five, four, seven, one, six, ten, if you'd like to join the conversation
2: in in human history, we have only had success in curing one virus one virus, and that's it. You know what that virus was? No. Smallpox. Ah. It's the only virus that in human history we have had the success to cure, and one of the reasons why was because we choked it out. Between vaccines, herd immunity, um, making sure that, you know, certain populations were not exposed, and, you know, limiting that, we have been able to for the most part, choke out smallpox. Now, there has been some discussion over the last few years that it it's possible that it could reintroduce itself in some ways that we've gotten lazy, as, you know, measles have done and, and mumps have done and stuff like that. But the problem with viruses is antibiotics do not cure them. The antibiotics you can't use on a virus. And so it makes it more difficult to create a cure for a virus, which is why treatments like vaccines and different medication combinations and so on and so forth are created to lessen the viral load. You're up on the bottom line, News Radio 610 A. What's your name, where are you calling from?
0: I'm Mary from Kennewick.
2: What's on your mind, Mary?
0: Well, I'm tending towards treatment because there's so much anti-vaccine people going around And if you don't have a way to treat it, you're still going to have it going around, and more than one treatment because the Plaquenil, hydrochlor, whatever, is not good for people with bad hearts, and that's a lot of patients in the nursing homes, et cetera. So I think the way they're going with more than one treatment might be a good idea.
2: Thanks for the call, Mary. We appreciate it. And there are people that certainly are not suited to receive every drug. Much like some of the protocols that we've seen put in place, not every treatment is a one-size-fits-all. It's not going to work for everybody. Um, and every drug you introduce to your body, you do run the risk of having a side effect, no matter what it is. There are some people that the z doesn't work on. Um, so, you know, that that's the one that's being given the most run right now. There are people working on antibody treatments. Uh, there are other medicine combinations and, and I've heard not too long ago that a drug that's used to combat HIV is being tested for its ability to work against the coronavirus. But in all reality, because we've never found a way to cure the flu, we've never found a way to cure a number of other viruses, we're not going to find a cure for coronavirus. But if we can find vaccines, combine them with treatments that that lessen the viral load, and attack the virus itself, not to mention the human body. It's an incredible machine that helps fight viruses as well. We eventually will come out on the other side of this and we'll be ready for it the next time around. If there is a next time around, hopefully not. Back with more of The Bottom Line, News Radio 610 Kona after this
0: can't get in by phone give us your bottom line through email send your thoughts from the bottom lines page at 610kona.com back to the bottom line with rob and ed presented by summit funding in kennewick and prosser on news radio 610 kona
1: seven one six ten is the number if you'd like to join the conversation just like this person on hold we appreciate that you're up on the bottom line who's this where are you calling from this is robert from benton city hi robert what's up So polio seems to be a virus that has been eradicated.
2: Um, I don't know if it has because there, I believe, are still some cases around the world where polio exists, but I'll check it out. But in our country, yes, we've done a very good job um, of
1: eliminating polio. Appreciate the call. Thank Absolutely. you so much. 547-1610, if you'd like to call or if you would like to email us a question or comment, it's pretty easy to do that, too. Just go to the website, 610kona.com. Go to the bottom line page and send us your question or comment.
2: Yeah, there is not a cure for polio. It can only be prevented. And okay. the polio vaccine, which can be given multiple times, can protect can protect a child for life. Uh, according to the CDC, thanks to the vaccination program, the United States has been polio-free since 1979. But it is still a threat in some countries. So, okay, we uh, it, there's not a cure for it, but we have severely limited its presence here in the United States. So, all right, five four seven one six ten. If you want to get involved, so um, the World Health Organization has come under new fire, as if the firestorm has even subsided a little bit, but it's not coming under fire from the United States. It's actually coming under fire uh, from a a growing list of countries based on an unusual step taken by the government of Taiwan. Over the weekend, Taiwan released email correspondence with the World Health Organization, about the person-to-person spread of COVID-19. The government of Taiwan is claiming that not only did the World Health Organization ignore their request, but they also denied providing information about how to fight it. Mm. They've accused them of downplaying the severity and the spread in an attempt to pander to Ding, 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 ding. China. Who Taiwan has been at odds with for, oh, 70 years now.
1: I mean, it's one thing for President Trump to come out and say the things that he said about the World Health Organization and their handling of things. But once you ha- start having other countries kind of join that chorus, it does, you know, it, it is more impactful. Now,
2: what they what they released from these emails... Taiwan pointed at China's health authorities, said the cases were believed not SARS, but samples were still under examination and cases have been isolated. The email said, we greatly appreciate it if you have relevant information to share with us. The WHO, World Health Organization, not banned, denied Taiwan ever alerted them to the spread of the virus. But Taiwan's Center for Disease Control said because they specifically mentioned atypical pneumonia, public health professionals could discern that there was a real possibility of human-to-human transmission of the disease. There were no cases yet in Taiwan. So they couldn't state directly that there had been human-to-human transmission of the coronavirus. And if the World Health Organization and China would have provided adequate information, they could have prepared the government of Taiwan sooner. As late as January 14th, they say the World Health Organization ignored warnings from them and continued to push forward what China's messaging was, that there was, quote, no evidence of human-to-human transmission. They also failed to mandate that China share the viral strains that would have allowed diagnostic tests worldwide. Hmm. The president earlier today said that he is going to pull funding for the World Health Organization or freeze funding to the World Health Organization. Um, once again, we come back to this, the, the, the center of this, and the center of this is You had a country that for whatever reason, and you can speculate on what those reasons were, combined with the largest health organization on the planet to prevent the release of information and minimize the impact of this virus.
1: Plus, how many, how many people out there, raise your hand, <laughs> how many people out there voted for President Trump to do this very thing, to get us, or at least, if not get us out of these organizations, but at least defund and not use our tax dollars for these organizations that many view as being globalist, whether it's the UN, the World Health Organization, things like that, who are applauding this move? I think quite a few.
2: I, I do too. And, you know, this country is the largest donor to the World Health Organization. Well, as we... We're the biggest contributor to the UN. Yeah. Well, you know how much we donate above China?
1: Probably quite a bit.
2: Yeah, anywhere between three hundred and sixty to four hundred and sixty million a year more to China, more than China does. Hmm. But China is economically tied to the country that the head of the World Health Organization originates from and that is Ethiopia. They are about 60% of their economy. So while they may not donate to the World Health Organization, they are certainly vital to the economic viability of the country of Ethiopia, which is where the head of the World Health Organization hails from. Yeah. Um, There's going to be a 60- to 90-day investigation by the United States into the World Health Organization's actions, but the funding has been immediately frozen. Hmm. Interesting. Immediately frozen, and you know. So is this going to be a Bill Barr thing, a William uh, Barr thing? I, I don't know if it is going to be led by Barr or if it's going to be led by another organization. It doesn't say who's going to head that up. Hmm. Um, but it goes back to late December. And the fact that credible information was being suppressed or ignored by the World Health Organization in conjunction with China. So, yeah. And and, and this even goes to a larger point that I think that in this day and age, this is just me, it's my opinion, my thought, organizations like the WHO have run their course. we do enough information sharing between countries, between government agencies, the CDC in the U.S. shares information with the CDC in the U.K., Germany, uh, other countries. Do we need a body that is, especially now, perceived as being more political than pragmatic? Do we need to have an organization that is of a global scale, where countries have uneven funding sources, where countries fund un- unequally, um, where the United States funds all of these organizations more than any other country. I was going to say, are you talking about the WHO or the UN? Both.
1: They're, they're both. Both. Both fit that category. Absolutely, they do.
2: <laughs> but They both fit that category. These are organizations... That that get funding mainly from the United States and minimal funding in much smaller amounts of money from other organizations, to do what? To do exactly what? I mean, when something happens around the world, is anybody really banking on the UN peacekeeping force to come in and kick some butt?
1: No, they're not. No, nobody what, banks on them. No, and and I mean, really, how many times have the blue helmets been deployed? Exactly. Recently. Yeah. I
2: mean, it, it, seriously. And now you've got the World Health Organization whose credibility is, is all but shot. And not just with the United States, mind you. Other countries have called out, and other than the U.S. and Taiwan, other countries have called out the World Health Organization's motivations and all this. So where's their credibility now? Do they, I mean, do they really even need to exist anymore? And people want to talk about oversight of different things. There's zero oversight on these organizations. None. Zero. Zip. Zilch. They collect money. They don't do much. I mean, look at the UN, for God's sake. Look at the, look at the list of countries that are part of their Human Rights Council. They kill their own people. Yeah. Some of them kill their own people. So, again... What viable purpose do they continue to serve? The World Health Organization has absolutely fronted for China in this whole thing and in, in turn ruined themselves on the, nas- on the world stage. Why do they need to be funded anymore? Why do we need to put money into that when we have gotten to a point where we share information pretty freely with other countries? I mean, seriously, at this point in time, and you know what you don't see? Whenever the United States comes out and says, we're going to cut funding for this, we're not going to put as much money into this, you don't see other countries step up to the plate to help. No, not usually. You don't. We're not seeing, I'll be waiting in the next couple of days to see a press release from China that says we're going to step in and fill the void from the United States for the hundreds of millions of dollars they give to the World Health Organization because they're such a vital group and we need them. You're not going to see that. You're not going to see any European nation step up and do it either because they rely on us. No more.
0: Now back to the bottom line on News Radio 610 KONA, presented by Summit Funding in Kennewick and Prosser. It's your voice, your show. Call the legendscasino.com hotline 509 547
2: 1610. Back at the bottom line, News Radio 610 KONA. Final few minutes here on your Tuesday afternoon. 547 1610 is the number if you have any final thoughts. Um, you know, I will say this, you know, we talked a lot about this and we'll continue to talk a lot about it, um, but it's not quite going away um, in, anytime soon. Um, but one thing that I think is interesting, going back to something we were talking about a little bit earlier, because <clears throat> I don't know that we've had really enough fun yet with this whole Biden-Sanders thing. And that is, you know, the call for unity, okay, rallying behind Joe. Rallying behind Joe for the, for the nomination. So then what you have is you've got people who immediately, because th- if there's one thing that I think we have seen uh, the left do particularly well, and that is just attack people. They, they, they just attack people. If you don't agree, you get attacked. It's not about a rational conversation. It's just an attack. Take, for example... Joy Reid. Okay, Joy, Joy's had her issues over the, the course of the last couple of years. She's had some controversial moments, to say the least. And Joy Reid basically went after the Bernie bros and other supporters of Sanders who uh, are not getting in line and supporting Joe. Um, she basically called Sanders supporters that aren't backing Biden privileged white voters. Oh. Privileged white voters. Hmm. She went on Twitter and said, what this kind of thing says to me is these are not left-wing voters. They're privileged white voters who demand to be bowed down to. No different than Trump voters want those who are not white and Christian to take the knee for them like in the, quote, good old days. These are voters whose primary concern is that everyone else kneel. That's it, kneel. Or they threaten the rest of us with the endless torment of Trumpism, caged children, viral death, poverty, want voter suppression, Muslim bans. Of course, none of this harms or impacts them. Yes. Yes. Because the one thing that I have heard associated with Sanders voters more than anything else are the words privileged and white. (laughs)
0: Hmm.
2: Nice work, Joy. You have just further alienated a base whose importance to Joe Biden winning is significant. Yeah. She also acknowledged that, of course, there are non-white voters who fall into this as well. That she cited meeting a black mother and daughter who voted for the Green Party because they didn't like Hillary. So wait, you're upset they had their own mind, didn't like the candidate presented, and decided to vote for somebody who they actually believed in instead of voting for the candidate that you would like them to step for.
1: Well, in all fairness, let's go back three plus years when there were how many people in the Republican Party running that all kind of basically had the, the same there was there was basically the same old message and Trump. And Trump rose to the top and what did the, the what did the GOP do? Well they said we need to coalesce behind our candidate In order to win the election. So both parties do that. They Mm -hmm. both, you know, both parties, you know, they beat their brains in, you know, fighting for that nomination. And when the nomination is decided and a candidate is selected, the party says, "Okay, well, it's time to coalesce behind this this person in order to beat the other guys, the other party. So, you know, both parties do this. But both parties don't necessarily take the extra step that she did in, you know, alienating potential voters.
2: The difference between the two. okay, And yes, you have elements on both sides that do this. But it tends to be more prevalent on the left than on the right. Because going back to 2016, people that were supporters of Cruz were like, all right, well, I don't necessarily like Trump. Cruz comes out and says, you know, here's how it went down. If we want to win the White House, got to support him. Take a look at what he's talking about. If you like the ideas, great. If you don't like the ideas, don't vote for him. John Kasich was absolutely off the rails. Um, But there were others that were saying, look, if you don't want to vote for the guy, don't vote for the guy. But here are the alternatives. Here's what's going on. But we're not going to tell you who to vote for. Whereas on the other side, it's he is who is here you must vote for him or withstand the onslaught and ridicule that you're going to receive for not getting in line if anybody says there is not a fracture within the democrat party over this you're kidding yourself well there was a fracture when, there was a fracture 4 years ago when sanders people come out and say They're not going to endorse Joe Biden? When high-ranking members of his campaign come out and say, we're not going to support Joe Biden, who are the Bernie supporters going to follow? Them or Bernie? They're not going to follow Bernie on this. They're going to continue the fight with the people that supported Bernie. They're just looking at Bernie and going, okay, well, we know why he's saying this. But if everybody that worked for Bernie isn't jumping on the same train, they're not going to jump on the train with
1: Bernie. They're going to jump on them because they're still fighting against the system. That's right. And I don't know. I I don't see many of those Bernie people <laughs> going to Trump, but I certainly don't think they're going to back Biden either. No. Just like many of them didn't Hillary. It's many all- of them didn't vote. They didn't want to vote for Hillary and because they felt four years ago that Hillary stole the nomination. This time, probably not so much, but I don't think they're going to back Joe.